1: We had a question from Jordan Shriver says, do you think Braden Lindsay would have had a thousand yard season with Sam Hartman this year? Had he stayed? Why do you think he didn't take another year with a superior quarterback that could get him the ball?
2: Well, yes. First of all, to the first part of your question, Ryan, uh, I of Jordan's question. Absolutely. Absolutely. Braden Lindsay has a thousand yards last year. I was talking with Tim O'Malley yesterday and we were having this conversation and, and, um, if you go back and look at all that, I mean, just just the Marshall game alone, there's About 130 yards, yards. Yeah. on two throws that yeah. he would have had. 120 yards on two throws that he would have had. And, you know, we, we, we've we said this, you know, we, we've had these conversations around. We kept trying to tell people all year, like, guys, if, if Notre Dame had a better quarterback situation, Braden Lindsay would be really good. And then look what he does in the last game of the year when he had a quarterback willing to throw him to football. He had four catches for 89 yards. You know, he had the 21 yards and the the shovel pass and all that. But, like, he was – I mean, he had that huge third down, the slant route, where he just went one off the line, beat the guy on a third down, can, catches the slant. He has the big play down the field. Brayden Lindsey Lindsay would have had monster numbers last year if he had a quarterback to throw the football because he was open at least two or three times a game for big plays. And I don't mean, like, open like I got to step on you. I mean, like open, like there's yards of separation between him and the guy covering him. Yeah, and um, yeah, if, with a guy like Sam Hartman who throws the deep ball the way he does, yes, Braden would have had some. I think he would have been a thousand yard receiver last year. Why didn't he take another year? Look, I think Braden was was. I think Braden loved playing football, but I don't think Braden looked at football as a career. And I think Braden looked to football as something he loved to do. And it was a, it was a pathway that got him to an education like he got at Notre Dame. And I think he was just ready to move on with his life. And that, I mean, you know, he played five years. I mean, we're talking about why he didn't come back for a sixth year. He right. played five years, you know? And so, um, you know, I think that's kind of had a lot to do with that. I just think he was just ready to move on with his life. And I'm, Anyone that knows Braden knows it's not was not shocked that he decided not to play professional football, you know, or come back for a sixth year. So, but I would have loved to have seen it. I
1: I, I I just wanted to see him at the pro day, man. I just wanted to yeah, see some of the numbers. See I know put up. that's I would, all I wanted. To I'm with see. you.
2: I would have loved to see the testing numbers. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I'm just with a,
1: you. Run run a four three eight and then just run out of the tunnel like you're up good. Peace, y'all. that'd yeah.
2: <laughs> have been a lot. That'd have been a lot of fun. That'd have been a lot of fun.
1: Next question is from Rob Osgood. What's up, Rob? Off-season workouts. Does the staff have any say in the summer workouts for players? Does the weightlifting staff have any contact
2: with or keep tabs on players' weight? Thanks. Well, so players, I think, are leaving now. I think they're just got. I think they're done with classes now or about now. They'll go home for a few weeks and then come back the first week of June. Yeah. I think Antonio told us what he's coming back like June, 3rd, June 3rd. third, yeah, third, like June that. 3rd. Then they're on campus the entire summer. They'll leave for like two weeks right before fall camp starts. So the strength staff works out with them all the time during that. And the coaches are allowed to be in some of those strength workouts. They just can't be football-specific workouts. But the coaches can be there. You'll see Marcus Freeman in the gym, in guys' faces. You'll see the coaches out on the practice field when they're going through workouts, going through those drills with them. That's a recent NCAA change, which is smart and wise to have more people around these players and – I don't know if it was in response to the thing that happened with that kid from Maryland,
0: but that's just excellent. the
2: more because as coaches, you have to be trained on certain things nowadays and and to, to, hey, be on the lookout for this. But it's just more people that are looking like, hey, man, this guy's dragging. And then you've got to learn as a coach, you know, the difference between the guy that's dragging and the guy that's having problems. Like this guy's struggling or this guy's just out of shape and we need to keep kicking him in the butt and get him going. But it's good to have more eyes on these kids, and and it's good it's have people, and I think it's good for the coaches too to be in there and in those workouts and and in their faces. What you can't do, however, is okay. This period is we're working on routes, we're working on backpedal. It's a pure workout, yeah, strength conditioning workout, and the coaches are part of it. So yeah, they're monitoring all that stuff. They're taking weights. They're doing all that stuff. Like I think they, I, I think if. It's been a couple of years since anyone's talked to me about this, but it, it, at least as a couple of years ago, they'd weigh in every day. When they when they'd go into training tables and go into workout, they would jump, jump on the weight and mark down what they were and take weights consistently. That stuff's important to measure as a training staff, not for accountability, but like, hey, this kid lost a lot of weight in a very short period of time. We need to see what's going on. Right. It could just be the kid was way overweight and he just worked off a bunch of bad weight and water weight or it could be hey this kid's losing weight and not putting it back on after meals because what will sometimes happen ryan as you know you'll have kids that'll weigh in in the morning at like 195 and then yeah. weigh in at night at like 187 and then it's just every day it's that Fluctuates. it's just, but the yeah. weight's coming back on right but then you see those kids that are steadily losing weight you need to be able to decipher okay this is part of our plan we wanted this kid to lose weight or it's like hey this kid is losing weight really fast steadily and he's a linebacker or a receiver this is a problem we got to figure out what's going on so it's it, there are not there are medical there are taking care of your player reasons why you monitor weight loss and weight gain during the summer And and uh, and make sure that and and part of it's like, hey, this guy's clearly not eating right because he's not losing weight. He's three hundred forty pounds and he's working out here, but he's not losing the weight he needs to lose. We need to sit down and say, what are you actually? Hey, coach, I'm eating everything you tell me to eat. Okay, cool. What else are you eating? Well, you know, at night I'm doing. Stop doing that. Hold on a second we told you we want you to lose weight and you're having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at 11 o'clock every night. That's what we do for kids who we want to add weight. You know what I mean? Um, Those are things you have to learn when you, when you evaluate those things. So the weight thing that you're bringing up, Rob is a very important part of monitoring your players work over the offs in the off season, especially the summer, because that's that really important. We're getting ready for the season time and uh, strength staff, Coaches, all of them are part of that once they get back on campus. The
1: the great thing is that they have all that technology now, too, that like gives you the heart rhythm and everything, kind of the vitals Mm -hmm. and all that great stuff. So you're constantly evaluating these kids, which is to Brian's point, it's not just about the maturation physically, but it's also about making sure a kid's good, you know, Mm -hmm. like making sure that they're not nothing's irregular, nothing out of the ordinary, consistent. So it's crazy how fast these. Things have changed over the years, man. I mean, all these chambers that they go into now, and all the technology that they have that just give them all their vitals on in live time. Like it's it's wild, man. All the yeah. stuff that they have now, and it's really cool though. It's really cool.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, and and you're seeing it in a lot of different formats too, Ryan. Which is like kind of cool. Like my wife has me. um She got me a, a Apple Watch, right? And part of it is it's like it monitors your activity, you know. So like it's telling me how many calories I burned. It's telling me I can check my heart rate, you yep. know, so when I'm, when I'm out, if I'm working out or if I'm out mowing the lawn and I'm feeling like, okay, I'm a little fatigued, right? And I look, okay, my heart rate's still good. I'm fine. You know, I'm just out of shape or I'm just tired. Or I shouldn't have that piece of pizza before I came out to mow the lawn in the middle of scorching afternoon. I mean, but those things it's, it is wild how those things are, man. It, they, they don't, I, I don't know if I would have liked it. Like they look like sports bras, they do look like <laughs> Like, I don't know if I would have liked because you know I mean I don't like the real tight, restrictive and, things. I don't know if yeah. I'd have liked that very much. i it'd have been a little weird to me. Um, yeah, it'd have been a little weird to me. A little bit. Little but it, bit. it's well, it's I, really good stuff. It's important stuff though. I'm just
1: happy to hear that you use your Apple Watch. I got Kayla an Apple Watch one time and she never used it, which is fantastic. So well, I've
2: got she bought okay. So Angela bought me this like well, actually her her dad bought this a few years ago, and mm-hmm. then she's kind of upgraded it and got me a new band because I never I wore see. it. So I just started wearing it in the last few weeks because um, so she got me this. It's like a cloth band because like okay. those rubber bands with the snap, They pop I off do too much, right? And stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, I just couldn't do it. I don't like that yeah. kind of stuff. You know me. I don't wear my wedding ring. I don't wear chains. I don't wear earrings. I don't like having things on me, but this is pretty comfortable. It's stretchy and it doesn't bother me as much. Nice. Just still get in the habit of wearing it more, which I'm not fully in the habit of wearing it all the time. <laughs> Here's know. an interesting rhyme that I'm going to read because I want you to answer it first. This is from T-Guns, Crocs, and Glocks. If you could alter the NFL divisions, have teams swap conferences and whatnot, would you, and how would you do it?
1: Probably a little bit. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I I am, Tommy, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm very, I'm still very, like, regionally driven as far mm-hmm. as divisions, and I feel like the divisions have gotten kind of all out of whack in some spots. I mean, there's some teams where it's like, that team is not in the west they're in the west <laughs> like no right. man that's not how that works so yeah i mean there might be a couple i'm trying to think of like a couple that i would say All, like,
2: although now ryan the west is more west because yeah. teams have changed have have moved true like, like i, when remember, you had, I like,
1: remember when the when it was the st louis rams i'm like that's not really west like it's, what it's yeah
2: exactly it's <laughs> like not i mean you're yeah. you're hundreds of miles east of denver you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. and, but uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'll tell you one that I don't love, Ryan, but I'm not sure how I could fix it. Is as a Bron- growing up as a Broncos fan, I liked that Seahawks rivalry. But, yeah. you know, they were both in the AFC West. Well, now they're not. Um, I don't and I'll say something else. I don't love the um, four team divisions. And I think what we see is too many bad teams making the playoffs in the NFL. Now, some of those teams have done some damage. They've won a game or two. The Cardinals one year went nine and seven, I believe, and made it to the Super Bowl. Correct. In 07. Now you had some quarterback things and all that, but like um, the, the one thing, Ryan, you talk about, you talk about like geography, but like the Cowboys have been in the, You'd say, Well, I want to move the Cowboys because they're not really east of anything. You know what I mean? (laughs) But but then it's like, but then you just killed all the rivalries that you have with the Cowboys, the Giants and Eagles and the and the Redskins. So it's just like it's one of those ones where it's like, okay, that one's kind of too far gone. I'm not messing with that one. But I, I would probably go to more of a five division or three division team, you know, deal. The problem there is you'd have to have one division with six teams because there's 32 teams now. It's a little harder with uh with the two teams. So
1: I, uh just three more expansion teams, man. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, <laughs> gross. Uh yeah. Um as if the NFL needs more parity. But now, I don't I don't know if and I don't know if there's a lot that I would change now, Ryan, if, as far as completely moving teams. Just because yeah, I just – I don't I don't know, like, NFC South I'm good with. NFC West I used to have a problem with when you had either the St. Louis Rams or the St. Louis Cardinals, both of them. Yes. were like, that's not really the West. You're closer to Chicago than you are San Francisco, right? I mean, so – A lot closer. A lot, yeah, closer. I literally <laughs> got in my car once and got went from Chicago to St. Louis in like five hours because the yeah. flights were canceled in Chicago. I had to go catch a flight in St. Louis. But it's better now. I mean, yeah. The interesting thing is is there's with Dallas, it's kind of like with all where all the teams are, they're really Dallas is just kind of in there by themselves. Yeah. You yeah. know, in the NFC, there is no really you know the NFC West, or the AFC West, for example, has some West Coast, some mountains. Kansas City's on that, you know, they're not really West, but they have the rivalries with the teams in the West, you sure. know, and yeah. So it's like you know, you'd have to you'd have to completely just blow the whole thing up to really fix some of those weird things. Blow it like, up, like blow Indianapolis. Up. How is Indianapolis in the South? Exactly. That's that's right. one of them. Like, right? What? How? But who would you move? That's where. Like, okay, but you know, know who who would you move? You're going to move them to the east. I mean, they're in the East Coast time zone. I guess you could move them in the east and then have the Dolphins be in the South. You could flip them, right? That would make Could sense.
1: Do Could do that. Because yeah.
2: Indianapolis is closer to Buffalo and New England and New York than Miami is. Miami is. Yeah. yeah. So Pretty you cool. can do that. Cool. And, and, and you know, but. And then you have Miami and Jacksonville and in and the same. And, and Houston's technically the South. If you want to get real specific and just, you know, draw a line across the country, yeah, I guess they're in the South. You know, <laughs> so. All right. Sure. Ge- geography 101 on today's podcast right. <laughs> but um yeah i mean if you wanted to make if you wanted to get more geographically accurate Ryan, you could put dallas in the south in the nfc yep and you could move uh carolina to the east for the similar reasons charlotte is a lot closer to washington and new york and philadelphia than it is to you know than dallas yeah, certainly
1: is tampa Bay, and yeah, then
2: it is like... right to new orleans i mean those are those are They're right in the middle of all of them. So they're going to travel regardless. So if you wanted to get real specific with geography, those are the changes that I would make. I'd move Dallas to the south of the NFC, NFC, and I'd move Carolina to the east. And then in the NFC or AFC, I would simply switch Miami and Indianapolis. That's because I'm like you, Ryan, that's what I hate about some of this college expansion I hate the fact that you've got these leagues that are just like why is that team in that league? Why is West yes. Virginia in the Big 12? Right. Like it makes no sense. Like Doesn't. none. Like it just ge- geographically it makes no sense. And you know the the ACC is kind of that way, but at least the it, it, at least to a degree you're still Atlantic coast teams, but then it's like but why is Louisville in there? Yeah. Right.
1: Why split like Mar- Maryland in the big 10? Right. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, so,
2: big, you know, it just, some of that doesn't make any sense. Like, Hey, here, not... here's what you need to do. You need to take the big 10 and the ACC and say, we're going, we're going to make some trades. Okay. We're going to trade some teams and, and ACC will say, Hey, we'll, we'll give you Louisville and you give us Maryland. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. Geographically Louisville in the big 10 would make a lot more sense than Louisville being in the ACC to me, it just does. Just like Maryland makes a lot more sense being in the ACC than it does being in the big 10. Right. That, that would be a trade that I would make. And then I would say we'll both decide to not have Rutgers anymore, you know, so leave Rutgers alone, man. you know, or, or, Hey, we'll give you Pitt and you give us Rutgers. Although that would make an ACC even worse than yes. it already is at that point in time. But, the, yeah, the, some, some the, of those make no sense. The
1: craziest league is by far the Pioneer League on the FCS level. They literally have University of San Diego. University of Jacksonville is not a thing anymore, but it was University mm-hmm. of Jacksonville. They used to have Dayton, so they're like Ohio, California, mm-hmm. Florida. Like they're all over is the Valpo place, in yeah. that
2: league? The, I, I Valpo
1: is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. that's a, a weird weird league. league.
2: The SC, <laughs> Southeastern Conference has a team in Missouri, yes, and a team in Arkansas. Like in a team into, and and soon to be two teams from Texas and a team from Oklahoma. Or well, about but, to have two California teams in the uh, big 10 as well. Yeah. So, right, so are I mean, we now yeah. going with South Southeastern part of what uh, your Southeastern of what Alaska, right? I mean, this right. is pretty much where what the, 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 the standard is now. Yeah. It's silly. It's just silly. It really is. I just, yeah. So dumb. <laughs> it's like, Sam, we're going to spend all show on this. Well, the good thing is, is
1: that there's a new NCAA football game out. So maybe you can read division teams. That would be awesome.
2: (laughs) Actually, you know, what would be great. Hey, EA sports. I got some advice for you. You want to get old heads like me back to playing this game. First of all, some of us are going to play it anyway, like this guy. Okay. But you want us to really get hooked on this game. Give us the option of going back to the old conference systems. Right. And let us kind of pick a time. So like for me, I'm going back to like 1988 where it's like the Southwest conference, the ACC had eight teams, Notre Dame, Penn state, uh, Florida state, Miami are all independents, you know, but the very least go back to like 1990 when you had the big East and the Southwest conference was still a thing. And that would be awesome. The big eight, you know, that would be great. If we could kind of let us, let us set our own conferences, right. Or let us at least go back to certain periods where, where we're going we're gonna to add that. That would be amazing. So EA Sports, get that done. Okay, get that done for us. I'm very
1: interested on a few of the things with this video game coming up, Brian. Like how crazy the transfer portal is going to be. Is there going to be NA- yeah.
2: NIL talk of right. any
1: sorts in this Can game? Can you control like-
2: if a guy transfers or not? Or is it just right. have an AI that says, "Up, oh, you're going to lose this guy because he didn't play enough?
1: Because right. didn't
2: you have that in the old game though, right? If you didn't play a guy enough, remember he had that, the last versions of it had like that a guy was unhappy. Yes. And at the end of the year, guys would transfer. Yep. You know, they transfer out. So that was pretty wild.
1: And, and so, you could put like so many points into like trying to convince someone to stay yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. was like,
2: yeah, 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 it was wild.
1: Yeah. It was, yeah. like, well, what's that guy transferring for? I played him. I started him every game.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was, that was that was a lot of fun. Then, then
1: you would have like backups going to the NFL early. I'm like, I'm
2: like what, 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 what's that guy leaving for? Like, good, leave. <laughs> I about to sign a bunch of 37 five stars. So, yeah, it's, it's good times.
1: Scott L with a question. Looks like it may be a. It is a two parter, but it's in the mm-hmm. one question. What is Aldrich estimate ceiling in college football, and how would you measure that? Could he have one of the best three years, three years any running back has in the country? Best five or ten, or lead the nation in total yards, seven plus yards per carry?
2: Well, I mean, I mean best three years. I mean, I don't see him playing three years more. I don't see him playing two more years at Notre Dame. Right. I don't. I don't think Audric has that kind of ceiling. Like Audric doesn't have Bijan Robinson upside to me. Uh, he's more. You know, look. I think Audric's a very good back. I think Audric is. It should absolutely be in the conversation of, uh, of the, ten bus ten best returning running backs in college football. I mean, you're yeah. talking about a guy that had 900 plus yards and 11 touchdowns, had over 100 receiving yards, and was splitting carries with another guy that had over 800 yards. So he should be in that conversation, Ryan, but I don't look at him and say, you know, he's, he's, he's Bijan. You know, he's I, he's. I think he's
1: more, and this is very situationally dictated, but I would say in the right situation, I think he could be Zach Charbonnet, which is yeah. nothing wrong with that. It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he all. was the number four <laughs> leading rusher in
2: college football last year in, in, right. in, in uh, yards per game. So, and then was what? um where was he overall ended up finishing 19th overall cause he missed three games. Yeah. But he would have been, I mean, I think that's fair, Ryan. I mean, look yeah. in the right system. Could, could he put up Kenneth Walker type of numbers? Sure. Would he be the same type of impact player that Kenneth Walker was? I don't think so. They're just different players. Right. But you know, he, he, to me is a top 10 college football running back. Would, would he, would I put him in the top five? I will if he comes back in 2024. But right now, when I look at top five, Ryan, I he's not there. He's not in that conversation. Now, could he? Sure, he could, but he's not right now. I mean, you're talking about the Blake Corums. You know, you're talking about guys like that that are coming back, and it's like, okay, Quinshawn Judkins. I mean, that kid had 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns as a true freshman last year, did. right? Like Rocket Sanders had 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. Like, I'm just not – I'm not putting Audric in that conversation. Oh, and by the way, he also had almost 30 catches and almost 300 yards receiving.
1: Right? Rockets, good man. He's a yeah. Good so I'm just, yeah.
2: I'm just not putting Audric in that conversation just yet. In my, I'm just. He, he's, he's going to have a long way to go to get there. Now, am I going to have a conversation? Would I be willing to have a conversation about whether or not Audric Estime is better than Braylon Allen? Yes, I will have that conversation with you right now. Now the numbers are better for Braylon Allen, but that's more of an about opportunity than it is about him necessarily being a better running back. And I thought Braylon Allen was better two years ago than he was last year. Part of that's his team, but I just I didn't think he was as good last year. I'll have that conversation with you. But that's more arguing where are you going to place in the bottom ten as opposed to the top five, in my view. So um he's 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 this year top ten. If he comes back for twenty twenty four, top five for sure. Yeah. Um, seven so, plus yards per carry.
1: That's tough for his play style. I would say more at six point something yards per I mean, carry. He was 5.9 probably... last
2: year. I mean, yeah. with a better offense and all that, I could see him getting up to six three, six five. Yeah. But seven plus a carry. Because, again, you got to remember a 30-yard a, a run last year when he's getting the ball 10 times, 12 times, is going to impact his yards per carry a lot more than if you add five more carries onto us. Because those five more carries are most likely going to be more – three to five yarders, as opposed to three more 30 yarders, right? That's just usually how carries go. The more carries you get, the lower your yards per carry tends to be. Yes. And, um, you know, like so when Dexter Williams was uh, the backup to Josh Adams back in 2018, remember he averaged like nine yards or was it 2017? He averaged like nine yards a carry. And, and I remember people talking about how, well, when he's the guy, like when, when Josh Adams left, no, I'm totally fine with Josh Adams leaving because Dexter Williams is coming back. And Dexter was even better than Josh Adams. Do tell, you know, well, look, he averaged 9.2 yards per carry. I'm like, bro, he had 39 carries. (laughs) So like those two long runs he had are going to pump up his numbers a little bit. And then Dexter went out the next year and was really good, but in average 6.3 yards per carry. Now was Dexter worse in 2018 than he was in 2017? No, he wasn't, but he was more of the featured back. So he got more of more carries, which means more of the threes, the fours, the fives, the minus ones. Whereas a change of pace guy, you rip off a fifty yard run, and all of a sudden your average is ten yards a carry. Well, if you and and then you come out, you know you've got five carries for fifty yards, and then you come out and then but you go back in, and your next three carries are two yards, four yards, nine yards, one yard, and all of a sudden your ten yards per carry average just went way down. Are you a less effective back? No, you're just a more used back. That's
1: that's like um, comparing. I remember it was the Boston College game last year. I'm pretty sure Chris Tyree had like six carries for 50 something yards. Logan Diggs was like the best running back that game though. Mm -hmm. He was fantastic. But you could say like, I I believe that Chris Tyree had a yarder yard per carry average. But I mean, who was the better running back that day was Logan Diggs. Like it's no comparison.
2: Right. Yeah. So on, on Chris Tyree had 50, 50 yards on six carries. Yep. Right. And so, which is like what, 8.3 a carry or something like that? Right. It's 8.33333. Yeah. 3, 3, 3, 3. But he had 26 yards on that one touchdown. I think it was the touchdown run, right? Well, so on his other 24 carry or his other five, uh, four five carries, he had 24 yards, which is less than five yards a carry. Yep. So if you add three, four more runs at that, closer to that average, it, it comes down. Audrick Estimate was pretty good that game, too. Yes. Um, I mean, so to me, Chris Tyree was the third most effective back and, and Audrick averaged 6.5 yards per carry. Uh, Logan averaged 8.1 yards per carry. So Logan was still pretty good. Yes, But to your point, you can even make the same case with Audric. Audrick was the better running back that day, but Chris had the higher yards per carry because one big run, fewer overall carries. So yeah, I mean, if he gets up to seven yards a carry this year, Ryan, and he doesn't have an injury that limits his opportunities. He's probably going to be in the dope Walker conversation. Well, and Notre that. Dame's going to be really freaking good. <laughs> Cuz that means the pass game is really lights out and teams just can't focus on stopping him in the box. That's yes. what that means. It means they're going off. They I mean, they're, they're a 40 they're four if Audrick estimate finishes this year healthy and with a 7 plus yard per carry average, Notre Dame will score 40 plus points a game. I believe it. There's no doubt yeah. in my mind. Yep. Now, I'm not saying that about yards. Notice I'm saying that about yards per carry because that yeah. to me is a, a more indicative total of just how good you are, you know, and, and you, you can look at the 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 numbers, for example, look at total yards last year, you know, Chase Brown's a very good running back. He had 643 yards. Well, B. John Robinson had 500, uh, 1,580. Well, does that mean Chase Brown's a better player? No. Chase Brown had 74 more carries than B. John Robinson, <laughs> yeah. but only had 63 more yards. Right, because Bijan was a six point one per carry, and Chase Brown was at 5.0. So I care more about that and then consistent effort than I do necessarily about total yards. Total yards matter, but it's it's more about the other. F- and that's why I say I think Audric estimates is getting overlooked because it's not like he had nine hundred twenty two yards and he was just a three and a half yards per carry. You know, bull. He was yeah. six yards, almost six yards a carry last year. It's pretty good. Very good. Very yes. play style. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Here's an interesting one, Ryan. I wanted to bring up, and I'm going to read it because it's for you. It says Ryan, "What is the is your favorite book on the shelf behind you?" So I don't know what books are behind me to be
1: honest, because this is my <laughs> uh, sister in law's house. So I, I I don't have an answer for you, unfortunately. <laughs> I am I am pretty well read, though. I for people that don't know, I was a a big literature guy in my younger days. So I've read a lot. I really got into the uh, romanticism. Uh, part of literature which is great my favorite book of all time is actually walden by henry david thoreau but i doubt that walden by henry david thoreau is on that bookcase right there. so i don't know what's behind me to be honest should i pick a random book and, and tell you all about it no I, that's I all know. good hey just
2: you know answer the question honestly and fairly that's all you can do my man that's it man that's, that's all it. you can do all right let's get back up to nathan milton who's got some more up here Nathan says, what type of
1: ceiling did you project for Jabron Payne? Do you think he could be a more productive back
2: than Logan Diggs? Uh, mm, So I had Logan, I had Jabron as a four-star back when I graded him uh, as a sophomore. He was not a four-star back by the end of his career, simply because his intangible grade was way down. Yeah, Intangible grade, is something that I felt was important to have as part of the grading process because you can evaluate certain things in there that you really can't put into a grading system anywhere else. It includes things like versatility, uh, character, production, and injury history. And so for a guy like Jabron Payne, he had a very low intangible grade because he had two basically full injury, just full injury seasons that intangible grade is also what dragged Tyler Buckner down when, when he came out. Cause I originally, after his junior year had Tyler Buckner, as a five-star, well, I didn't see him play as a senior. So how could I possibly bring his grade down? Well, because of just that I didn't see him play as a senior and I didn't see him play as a sophomore. And all of a sudden that lack of experience that, you know, some of those things are now going to drag the grade a little bit down. And that's kind of how it was with Jabron. but Jabron was the guy that was a four-star running back. Now, what I, Did I grade him as high as Logan Diggs? No, I did not. I I, Look, I was very high on Logan Diggs coming out of high school. I'm a big, big Logan Diggs guy as far as his game. Can can, Could Jabron, if healthy, replace Logan's production from last year, yardage-wise, catch-wise, yards per carry-wise? Absolutely. And I could even see Jabron having more yards per carry this year than Logan. And it would make people think that, oh, he was better than Logan. No, he played in a completely different situation. Logan didn't have Sam Hartman and the pass game that they're going to have protecting the run game last year. Logan and Audrick had to run when everybody in the stadium knew that they were running and everything was geared towards stopping that run. You know what I mean, Ryan? So like, you can't yeah. always look at, well, this guy in 2023 had just as many yards, but more yards per carry. So he must've been better than that guy. No certain different circumstances, but could Gibran step in and be healthy if he can be healthy and and be a Six to seven hundred yard, really quality number two running back. Absolutely, I think so, absolutely. Yeah. Jabron Payne's a good running back. Does he have the ceiling that some of those other guys have? I don't think so, but that's also based on just not seeing him a whole lot. Yep, because I the last time I saw Jabron Payne play a, a healthy season of football was his sophomore year in high school where he so, was great. <laughs> yeah, so he was like a 10 yard per carry guy in Cincinnati in nice. the really good league in Cincinnati. So Keep that, me saying the upside's not there. Keep that with an asterisk. I want to make sure that's really clear. It's just because I haven't seen a lot of Jabron Payne. So how can I possibly, in good conscience, project him to be a four-and-a-half, five-star upside guy? I know he's a four-star caliber guy, for sure. We've seen that. I just haven't seen enough of him for the other part. But, I, I mean, this spring run, I liked what I saw. Quickness, vision, yeah. thick lower. He's... He's the most built like a running back guy on the on the roster, even more so than Audric Estime. Like most running backs, don't look like Audric Estime. He looks like a most linebacker. You know, or like, like if Audric Estime was alive in the '80s when he retired from football, he'd go. You remember that show? What was that name of that show? Gladiators or American Gladiators? You remember American that? Gladiators. Yeah, like yep. that's Audrick's career after football. He's gonna go be yep. one of the American Gladiators. What,
1: what, yeah, would it be sho- would it be shocking to you if if when Aldrick Esme is done playing football, someday he's in like the world's strongest man
2: competitions or whatever, just like throwing those boulders and all that yeah.
1: type of stuff? Like- no,
2: I'd have him in, I'd I'd tell him to go be an actor. Like there'd sure. be some roles that I could I could see you know, Audric, especially with his personality. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah. regarding Jabron, could can Jabron be a starting running back at Notre Dame? Yes, he can. I think yes, so, he too. can. It's just he's got to prove he can stay healthy. So, And and that's partly why, look, and and I think we have a question about it, but look, Logan Diggs was a loss. Anyone telling you Logan Diggs was not a loss is just, um, I would say, either not being honest with you or just had a really weird, incorrect view of how good of a player Logan Diggs was. But But you can say he's a loss and at the same time say, but if everyone's healthy, they should still be okay because they have really good backs there. There's just more ifs now. If Jabron Payne can stay healthy, if Jadarian Price gets back to being the way he was, and if he can stay healthy, if Jeremiah Love can play as a freshman, if Audric can take more carries, if Audric can stay healthy, if Audric can hold onto the football, there's just a lot of if, a lot more ifs now. Which is why they're still a top ten backfield to me, Ryan. But they're not. Yeah. They're closer to ten than they are to five. And bef- with Logan Diggs on the roster, they were clearly top five and in the conversation for me for top 3 in my view cuz now Jabron and, and Jeremiah and Jit and J- Darian are all 3 4 and 5 and that's a really good backfield so uh I, it, it's a loss but they got some guys there that can play and i and i'm really
1: curious on how it i i, I well i'm sure we'll talk about this more this offseason but you went from knowing very solidly who the second running back was going to be and kind of letting the depth kind of be what it was to now You could argue that maybe there's more upside if a guy hits and a guy doesn't, whatever. But you really don't have a full understanding of what this running back room is going to look like outside of Audrick Estimate. Like if you told me right now, Nathan, to your question, if you told me that Jabron Payne ended the year as Notre Dame's second leading rusher, I wouldn't think you're crazy. If you told me it was Jadarian Price, wouldn't think you're crazy. If you told me that Jeremiah Love was the second running back on the uh, second string running back by the end of the season, I wouldn't think you're crazy. There's a lot of volatility now behind him, but behind Audric Estime. but I think that's what makes it so much fun. I like it's really going to be interesting. We had a super chat from Tyler Evans. Tyler, thank you so much. Which head coach this season, in your opinion, is on the hot seat and could get fired four years in, like, some head coaches last season?
2: Which head coach this year, in your opinion, is on the hot seat and could get fired four games in? Well, first of all, I, I, I'll i say this. I'll use this opportunity to say this, Ryan. No coach yep. should get fired in the middle of the season unless he's doing something ethically wrong, unless he's some violating some code of conduct. He's abusive yes. to a player. You find out he's in some shenanigans with somebody he shouldn't be in shenanigans with that works at the school or – I don't know. He's driving a motorcycle with some, and he's married and he's got some young staffer on him and he gets in a motorcycle crash. Who would
1: ever do Hy- that. Hypothetically <laughs> speaking. It's never happened before.
2: <laughs> you know um, you know, there's plenty of things you and I have heard about over the years, Ryan, they'd be like, if that gets found out that guy should get fired on the spot. Right. But if it's just cause his football team, isn't good. I'm like, see, see it through unless the players come to you and they're like, look, you, you, we know you're getting rid of this guy and we just can't stand playing with him. Or here's another scenario. This is one of the few exceptions. If you have a guy on staff that you think might be that guy, then I'd say, okay, I, I can understand a little bit more. Right. So if it's just about football, I'd say keep like, I had no actually no issue with Brian Harson getting let go when he did, because Brian Harson kind of created an adversarial situation with the, 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 the school. You know what I mean? Yes. And it was just like, it's almost kind of like he wanted to get fired. Like I truly felt like Brian Harson's trying to get himself fired. I really unfair. felt that. Cause my thing is right. If he wasn't, if he was, what would he be doing different than what he already did? Right. You know, other than just yeah. doing things. Cause you, cause you gotta be careful. If you want to get fired, you gotta be careful. Cause you want to get yourself fired, but you don't want to get yourself fired for cause. And then you'll get your money. So you can't just say my AD's a moron. And this guy's an idiot, and this school sucks. Because then you're going to fire, but you're going to fire with cause, and now you're not getting your money, right? So you got to be somewhat careful with it. But you know, it's a good question, Ryan. I, so someone see. said a, someone in the chat that I think is a decent one is Neil Brown at West Virginia. Neil Brown from West I feel Virginia, like he's a lame
1: duck a little bit, yeah. yeah.
2: Jeff Halfley at Boston College is a guy that has been a huge disappointment, and they've got Northern Illinois and Holy Cross to start the season. They've got to beat Northern Illinois. Holy Cross they, is a
1: good FCS team too, yeah. man.
2: Like they're not bad. <laughs> yes. They got to beat Northern Illinois and they got to smack Holy Cross. Yeah. Because if they don't do that and then they go play Floor State at home, they're going to get annihilated. Yes. And then they got Louisville. They got to go on the road to Louisville. I could see that getting ugly in a hurry for them. And if they drop one of those first two games, Ryan, then get annihilated in those two games. Yep. I mean I, I don't see how you I don't see how you keep them around, to be completely honest with you. The rest of that league, I'll tell you a guy that, that I could see being in a lot of trouble. And now will it happen early in the season? I don't know. But based on how bad the program was last year and and the schedule they have, I could see Tony Elliott being in trouble. They were awful last year. Here's their first four games, Ryan. Here's their first four games. Tennessee at home. James Madison at home at Maryland, home against NC State. Bro, that could be 0 and 4 right there.
1: That could be 0 and 4. That could and be 3, 0 and maybe. 4. Maybe. Right yeah. yeah. You know,
2: because James Madison at home, that's no cakewalk. <laughs> that is no cakewalk. James Madison's beaten UVA, I think, in the past when they were FCS. They definitely beat Virginia Tech. Yeah. Uh, for sure, beat Virginia Tech. And I think they might have beat uh, uh, beat Virginia as well. Big 12, I don't I don't know that there's anybody in the Big 12 that's in that situation outside of the one you mentioned, Neil Brown. Uh, Big 10, oh, man. I mean, look, I don't care how bad Michigan State is this year. You literally can't afford to fire Mel Tucker.
0: <laughs> Seriously,
2: I mean, man, you can't. Like, you know, <laughs> just it's just man. it would cost too much money. And and I think, you know, I don't think their schedule is going to be bad enough for that. Maybe Indiana. Tom Allen, Tom Allen, Tom Allen that's maybe. one. Yeah, yeah Tom maybe. Allen at Indiana. Because, yeah. again, part of it's about who you play, Ryan. And, and their first six games are Ohio State at home, Indiana State at home, Louisville at home, then Akron, then at Maryland, at Michigan. There's a lot of potential Ls in there and some potential ugly Ls. And if you catch a f- ferocious beatdown in that opener by Ohio State, then you're in trouble. Here, and I'm going to say one guy – I'm going to get to this at the end, Ryan. Uh, see, Pac-12, uh, pack you know, I don't – Justin Wilcox eh, is about the I, only I guy.
1: Now, Everybody yeah.
2: else in the Pac-12 is new or doing great. Yeah. I mean, Lincoln Riley's both. Um, Kalen Labore's both. Dan Lanning's both. Kyle Whittingham's about as secure in his job as anybody in America not named Nick Saban, and maybe even more so. Jonathan Smith's doing a great job. Chip Kelly's doing a really nice job. The The guy at Washington State's still new and did a nice yeah, job last year. second year. year. Yeah. yeah. Jed Fish did a really nice job. I mean, you took Arizona from one and 11 to five, a competitive five and seven, meaning, you know, they had a couple yep. of games that could have gone their way beat North Dakota state last year, which is a really big win beat UCLA last year, which is a really nice win. Arizona yep. state's got a new coach. Colorado's got a new coach and Stanford has a new coach. So the axes already fell in the pac 12 and then, and in the sec, uh, you know, J- Jimbo's not going anywhere. Probably Auburn's not. got a new coach. Sam Pittman's doing a nice job. Lanes doing a nice job. Nice job. Mississippi State's got a new coach. Clark yeah. Lee's not going anywhere. Eli Drinkwitz, uh you know, he's not a really well-liked guy, but nobody yeah. else in the SEC East could be that, but and then Eli Drinkwitz's schedule is such that if they do what they're supposed to do, he's not getting fired, but if 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 they're not ready to play, I mean they play South Dakota in the opener, mm-hmm. it's not a South Dakota
1: or South Dakota State? South Dakota. Dakota.
2: It's a decent, that's a decent FCS team. It's a Missouri Valley team. Right. Middle Tennessee, Kansas State, and Memphis all at home. Yeah. You're three and one, two and two against that. You're probably not getting fired, you know, but if you're two and two with maybe a bad blowout or you go one and three, maybe, but I don't even think then, although he should, he should be. Here's a coach, Ryan. Okay. That flat out should 100% be on the hot seat but isn't for some odd reason. And I know part of it is because he's an alum, but how many power five coaches can go three and nine, seven and two, three and nine and one eleven in a four year stretch and keep their jobs. Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitz. In the last four years, they've had a one and 11, a three and nine, a three and nine, and then seven, two during the COVID year. So uh, anyone else in America is either getting fired or at least on the hot seat. And for some reason, Pat Fitzgerald is not. And I get that Northwestern is not an easy place to play, but there's doing what he did early in his career, four and eight, six and six, nine and four, eight and five, seven and six, six and seven, ten and three, five and seven, five and seven, seven, ten and three, seven and six, six, ten and three, nine and five. That's what he did from 06 to 18. That's it's hard to win at Northwestern. You're going to have some five, three and nine, three and nine, literally. And see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. In his first 13 years, he finished with fewer than five wins once, and that was in his first year. Mm-hmm. In his last four years, he's had three seasons with three losses, three wins or less. You're literally way worse now than you were the first 15 years that you were there. How does he, how is he not in the hot seat? So he should be. I don't, just don't think he is. But no, I mean, he, he, He flat out should be, well, it's hard to win in Northwestern. Okay. But 15 years in, he's worse than he ever, than they've ever been. What's changed to make them that bad? You know, I, I don't, I don't see it. And he's put a bunch of dudes in the NFL. I mean, you know, so it's not like he's had completely barren rosters. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, heck two of the, not many teams can say they had like what two top 15 NFL draft picks on the offensive line the last four, three or four years, right? I mean, sure, Northwestern's one of those teams. Where'd Skoransky go? This was like 14, 13, was 14. 11, I think. 11, 11 I think. Yeah, See, Rashawn Slater was top 15 as well, correct? Yep, Slater went 13, I think. Yeah, yep. Yep. not many teams can say they did that, and yet your offense has been trash. So, you know, whose fault is he, that? He won't be fired, but I'm really curious when, uh, I'm
1: really curious when Greg Schiano finally is like, "All right, this isn't going to happen
2: again." Yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm good. Well, <laughs> you, you mean when he leaves? Yes,
1: because he the, would choose yeah. to leave. They're not going to yeah. fire him, but he would. I, I wonder if there's going to be a day though where it's just like, "Man, I'm just not going to be able to make this team a winner in the Big Ten. Right. It's just not going to happen. Just
2: not right. going to happen." Yeah, I could see something like that. Unless he's just like, you know what? I got a nice gig here. I'm from Jersey. Yeah, we're competitive, and that's all they care about. You now, know.
1: I, I really do think he's a really good coach, but it's just, I mean, he's just in a situation yeah. where it's like,
2: it's Rutgers. I mean, it's hard to do? win. It. You can win and it when it to he, and and to your point, that's but, exactly right. And yeah. I mean, cause he had, he had four, really five, really good years and out of six at Rutgers his last oh, he, stop. He did a tremendous job the first time around. Here's his last six years at Rutgers, Ryan, 11 and two, eight and five, eight and five, nine and four, four and eight, nine and four. Yep. And he won five straight bowl games. He won five and one in bowl games at Rutgers. Yep. That was in the big East. Yes. Different animal, very much a different animal in my opinion. So yeah, that's, that's a good question, Tyler. Very good question. I I enjoy questions like that. Okay. Let's go to Jordan Schreiber.
1: Jordan says, why do you think Marcus Freeman took his foot off the recruiting pedal? He used to be an animal and that was amazing.
2: I don't think that he has. I I don't, I don't necessarily agree with your premise. I mean, folks, Notre Dame has the number two to number four ranked recruiting class in the country right now in 2014. Yeah. They've got a five-star quarterback. They've got another great receiving class. They've got four stars at running back and tight end that people want to upgrade over. And I know that the recruiting rankings, and I know some of you are stargazers and all that, the defensive class can be better than it is right now, but it's better no than some of you think that it is. In my opinion, Cole Mullins is a dude. I don't care what the rankings say. I'll, I'll say it again. He is my Benjamin Morrison in this class. Meaning he's the guy that 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 I don't care what the rankings say. I've gone back and looked at his film again. I've given it a second, third, fourth, and fifth glance to make sure I'm not missing something. And I'm not. He's gonna be a dude. And and I'm just so I don't care that he's a three-star player. Just like I didn't care with that when Isaiah Canyon was a three-star. Remember when we first heard about him? We're like, this guy's good. Now all of a sudden you're seeing he's four star now, top hundred. You know, now they're yeah. figuring it out. Well, with Cole Cole Mullins, they're not. Don't care. Don't care. This is a good class. It needs to finish strong, and and there's some uncertainty about the finish, but I just don't see it that way. You know, look, I got some question marks, and and there's some things Coach Freeman needs to do better and – some things he's got to consider with his staff, Ryan. But I, I don't, think I don't agree at all with the premise that Marcus Freeman's taking his foot off the nah. recruiting. plus, guys, the the transfer portal counts as recruiting, and they just put in some serious work on the recruiting trail on in the portal, including very recently, out of the out of the words of uh, the mouth of a guy that picked Notre Dame with offers over from Ole Miss and Wisconsin and Florida and LSU about how the coaching staff went from y'all might be getting in too late to I'm coming to play for you, and they had a big role in it. And Marcus Freeman was part of that process, so I don't agree with the premise, Ryan.
1: I don't either. I mean, like you said, I mean, for people that are stargazers, like, again, ranked two through four as far as what the overall class is right now. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about that one. You're just – I think the proof is in the pudding in that situation. Yeah. You're you're good.
2: Yep. All right, uh, let's get to some more here. Oh, this is another one from Jordan that I kind of like, Ryan. Uh, th- these are always fun. Jordan says, top five quarterbacks
1: in the NFL when you were growing up, Brian.
2: I mean, So when I was growing up, Ryan, and I was actually paying attention to the NFL, that was like mid to late 80s into the early to mid 90s. And you know, the best John Elway obviously is in that one. Joe Montana obviously is in that one. Uh, Dan Marino is part of that conversation. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd probably put Brett Favre in there, although I've always felt Brett Favre's a little overrated, in my opinion. You know, really highlight realish, ish but he won a Super Bowl with a pretty loaded team, in, in my opinion. I mean, Steve Young's in the conversation. Phil Simms, if he could have stayed healthy, would have been in the conversation. I think Troy Aikman is a very good quarterback. I've always felt he was a tad overrated, to be honest with you, in just my personal opinion. Maybe he could have been greater. They just never needed him to be. Uh, maybe, maybe yeah. is, is the thing, and that's unfair to him. Perhaps, I don't know. He only threw
1: over 20 uh, touchdowns once in his career, yeah, think, or something like that. Yeah, that crazy. And he said, stat. Well,
2: he, he could have done A, B, and C if they need him to, I'm like, yeah, but they didn't, sure, you know, they didn't need him to, <laughs> right? But, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so Elway, uh, Montana, Marino. Uh, you know, he's not in my top five, but you know who one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch growing up was, right? I'm saying this because it's close to you, even though it's not your team. Randall Cunningham was a ton of fun to watch Dynamic. back then, man. He was, was fun to watch. I mean, one play he's running around, the next he's throwing the ball 70 yards down the field over the top of the defense for a big play. He was a lot of fun. I mean, he was Lamar Jackson before anyone, before Lamar Jackson was even a created being. You know what I mean? PA. you know. So those are those are kind of. That's. I mean, I'm trying to think who else would be on my list. I mean, Steve Young, I guess, but Steve Young just didn't have the longevity. And also, Steve Young another guy that really benefited from some loaded. He played on some loaded 49er teams, yeah. like like I've heard people say. Well, Joe Montana played on great teams. I'm like, Joe Montana played on great teams on his second two Super Bowls, not his first two Super Bowls. He didn't have Jerry Rice on his first two Super Bowls. He had, I mean, Wendell Tyler and Freddie Solomon and guys like Dwight Clark, you know, were, were guys on that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think who else could be on there, Ryan. I mean, there's some individual guys. But I mean, Someone said I,
1: Warren Moon. I don't know if Warren, Warren Moon would be on there.
2: Uh, you know, he'd be in the conversation. Him and Jim Kelly would be in the conversation. I just always kind of felt like Jim Kelly and Warren Moon were products of of a system you know they put up some numbers in the system, and 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 my big issue with Warren Moon is, and this is this is one of those ones that's somewhat not fair to him, is he just always had a hard time beating Elway and Jim Kelly. And he said, "Hey, look, you played on Jim Kelly played on better teams. I get that, but in one of those, you had a thirty-one four to three lead and you got beat by Frank Wright. You know that's not Jim Kelly. You know what I'm t- you're talking about? that playoff game where they had that miraculous comeback what was the thirty-one to 34 to three, something like, like that." that. Yeah, something. Like and that. you lost the game you know so warren moon was a great player uh it's just some of those run and shoot guys it's just a little harder to put into context how good they were and i'll tell you what he had some pretty good receivers that he was thrown to in his career too but um i have no problem with him being a hall of famer is he top five though you know, like there was one year in, in in Houston, Ryan, where he threw 13 touchdowns and 26 picks before the run and shoot stuff came. Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's mm, what I was say. Was he, was he really that good or was he sort of a system guy? You know, and then he went to Minnesota, had a really good year there, played a long time. Give him credit for that. I mean, the guy had a 3,600 yard season with 25 touchdowns at the age of 41.
1: When and his, his right. NFL career got started late because he right. was yeah, other leagues and stuff. Yeah.
2: Well he was in other leagues. He didn't start till he was twenty-eight because yeah. back then yep. you just didn't draft black quarterbacks. they wanted him to move to receive. I'm like, well, you watch Warren Moon in the NFL. You're like they wanted that dude to go play receiver. Yeah, or, or like safety to receive. Like, what
1: something? the hell yeah. are you talking yeah. about?
2: Yeah. So he went to the CFL, had some great years in the CFL. I think he had like oh, let me look it up. He had like multiple I think he actually won some championships. Oh yeah, he won some Grey Cups.
1: I think like a bunch of
2: them. Let me see here. He won five Grey Cups in the CFL, like five in a row. Two Grey Cup MVPs. Um, You know, so he was great in that league. It's just I'm kind of going on. I didn't watch him play in those in in those leagues. I just have been able to look at the stats as I got older. So he was a great quarterback. Am I going to put him top five? Man, that's a tougher one. That's a tougher one. Jim Kelly's another one, Ryan, because I always felt like Jim Kelly was a really good quarterback, but Jim Kelly also played on some really good teams, some really loaded sure. teams, in my opinion, and he also was another run-and-shoot guy. So I don't know, man. I that's a, Getting to that fifth one is, is, is kind of tough because I'm like 85 to 97, 98 is sort of my time frame that I would consider when I was young, basically, Uh so, yeah, I'm. I, can you, who would you, who would be your fifth that you could think of? I know it's in my generation. I, Dan Fouts was a little bit too, too. I was a little Dan Fouts was kind of already past his prime when I started kind of coming along. Yeah. And Elway owned him. So he wouldn't be in that. But if you look at his numbers, those are pretty good. But I, I'm just kind of looking at just guys that I've seen. Jim McMahon could have been if he wouldn't have got hurt. Jim McMahon was on the verge of really doing some things, I felt, in the NFL. He just, he just got hurt and, and didn't last. Yeah, I have a hard time with I don't know who my fifth would be, honestly. I really don't know who my fifth would be.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them.
2: What about you Ryan what what's what's your range of what you would consider growing up for you what's what's that era cuz the nice thing is we are you and I are from two completely different eras of when we were kids so it's going to be completely yeah. different answers which is which makes it fun I think
1: My mine would be more in like the mid late 90s to probably the 2005 somewhere in that ballpark like kind of that 10 year window I think would probably mm-hmm. be mine um Mine would be Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. This isn't in order. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Brett Favre. I would probably, man, it's a tough question. Those three for sure. There's like a bunch of guys though that are like in the conversation. Like I'm thinking like Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. There's. But what? But really was like Rodgers
2: But was Rogers be in that conversation for when you were growing up, though? Because I would think Rogers yeah. is kind of more when you're an adult. I mean, he, got dr- of... he got
1: drafted in what, two thousand four, two thousand five? Yeah. I mean,
2: but when did he still... take over as a starter? And when did he become really great? That would
1: be my yeah. question. I think he started. Per- I don't know. I would. I would still consider it. Like I was a teenager when he was still
2: starting. So okay. yeah, yeah.
1: Because his Super
2: Bowl would have been when you were <sighs> late teens, early twenties. So that kind of counts. Yeah. Because that's, that's when Elway got his Super Bowls, right? When did they win the Super Bowl? 09? Oh, oh, 2010? 09? Oh, nine. Oh, nine. So, Something like that.
1: Yeah, if it was oh, 09, then I was 17. So, yeah. Okay. So he won a Super yeah. Bowl when you were still a teenager. Yeah, that fits. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers would probably be in there. I mean, Drew Brees is in that conversation as well. Drew Brees would probably be in the top five for me. So I'll go, yeah, I'll go Just Peyton that longevity. Manning. Yeah, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Brett Favre, and then a good conversation at number five, I guess. I mean, there's a Steve McNair, Donovan McNabb. Like, there's some said, other guys. You though. mean uh, Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre?
2: Brett Favre would
1: definitely okay. be in the top five for me, no doubt.
2: Okay. Of that era. Yeah. So so you have your five then, right? So Peyton, Brady, Favre, Rodgers, Breeze. Yeah, we'll go with that. That's your five? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. What, what, what would be your thoughts on, on uh, having Ben Roethlisberger in there? This is always a controversial I, one. That's why I want to get – he was not mine of that era, but I, I just –
1: I, I like I liked Ben. He was really tough. I just I, I don't think that he aged incredibly well, honestly. True. Like it just kind of went down. And he was on some very good teams early yeah, on was. his career. Extremely good teams. I very good player. He's gonna make the Hall of Fame. He probably wouldn't be in my top five, though.
2: I I wouldn't have him either. I just was I was just curious about that because that's that's one yeah. that's one of those ones that's um that can be interesting. Can be very interesting. No Matt Stafford in there, huh? Okay, that's Thought you'd get your homer pick. I really, pick, I'm I really, lo-
1: really like Matt, but yeah. I mean, nah, he's not he came
2: along also later as well. Yeah, and he got his yeah. Super Bowl for your team when he, you were in your 30s. He
1: he would be somewhere six to ten probably. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. He also right. he also played
1: on some. I know he played with Calvin Johnson, but like he played on some pretty bad Lions teams
2: there for a while yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, and and elevated him, I thought, in a lot of years. Like there were some yes. years where the the Lions were competitive when you're like, boy, this um. These guys probably shouldn't be competitive. I think oh, Matt, in all seriousness, I think Matt Stafford is a very underrated quarterback. Oh, very Under- quarterback. Pre- I should say underappreciated yep. quarterback is probably a better way of putting that. Yeah. It's a really good question so far today. Here we go. Next
1: question is from Rob Ozgood, who says, we know who the big three games this year, but who do you think will be the biggest trap game? Duke,
2: NC State, or another? I don't consider NC State a trap game because of how I define a trap game. A trap game to me is one of those ones you're not expecting. It's like there's for some reason you're overlooking them, whether it be they're not very good, they're right before or right after a big game. So NC State to me, it's your first big game of the year. Could you lose that one? Yes. I just wouldn't define it as a trap game. I think Notre Dame's going to be more than mentally prepared for NC State. They're going to know that's a good football team. And I have a feeling, Ryan, too, when you look at NC State's schedule, that they're they're gonna have um they're gonna have some impressive numbers. They're you know, right before Notre Dame plays them. Uh when 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 you when you look at their schedule, because obviously Robert and I is gonna be there and they're gonna play at UConn. Now, I'm not saying Yukon's gonna be bad, but I think Yukon's gonna get out athleted. And Jim Mora did a really nice job with Yukon last year, took him to a bowl he game. Did. He did, but I just think they're going to be out athleted a little bit, out athleted. But I expect them to put up some good numbers in that game. So I don't think Notre Dame's necessarily going to be overlooking NC State. Duke is the pick for me, Ryan, simply because it's right after Ohio State, and it's just like we said. Marshall was my—I remember Vince laughed at me last year. I said Marshall was a trap game because he thought Marshall was going to stink. I was like, dude, you need to watch Marshall's film. So but bad, I said yeah. it's right after Ohio State, which means you're either going to be super excited and overlooking them because you beat Ohio State or you're going to be completely dejected and down because you lost Ohio State. And that's a quality football team. Duke is a quality football team that is going to be is going to try to benefit from the fact that you're coming off an emotional, emotionally draining game, physically draining game in no matter what the outcome is. The, now, could it be where Notre Dame comes out and just beats Ohio State's brains in and wins by thirty? And I guess I mean anything can happen. I mean, weird stuff happens. You know, a couple pick sixes or something like that. Who knows? But I mean, I don't see that happening. And even then, you could say Notre Dame might be think they're the you know they're they're the stuff now because they just blew Ohio State. You know, I just yeah, I just think that's going to be a really hard game to get emotionally back up for traveling to Duke. I, that's why they're my trap game
1: I think it's an easy one for me too would be Duke because yeah. I, I just think that they have the components of being a really tough out as well I mean they have a quality coach that has the team believing he is a very talented quarterback who also what's one thing that quarterbacks have given Notre Dame a problem with historically over the last few years Brian guys that can run the football a little bit mm-hmm. and can extend a little bit and that is what Riley Leonard can do it Duke, and then they have some pieces on defense. I mean, they have Dwayne Carter coming back. They have a really good cornerback in, in Rivers. I think his first name is Chauncey. I, I forget his first name, but he's a good football player. I mean, there's there's some guys coming back. Ruben Re- Oben, who was an offensive tackle for in the NFL, his son, RJ, plays defensive end for Duke, who's a quality football player as Wasn't well. he so from St. Peter's
2: pieces. Prep? Isn't he a Jersey kid? He was. He That's was. I, I saw
1: on. him. I was still coaching track, and we went up to New York for an indoor track meet, and – RJ was there, and I was like, that kid's in high school? Jeez, man, like, that's insane. So, yeah, yeah, yeah he was there. And, uh, yeah, man, they have – there's some quality talent on Duke, and Duke has some good offensive linemen yeah. coming back too. Graham Barton and yeah. Jacob Monk, and it's
2: good. They're a good team. I just want to respond to something from Irish Gordian Noddy He says, West Virginia's in the Big 12 – in the Big 12 is a move to become a national conference. I, I love when people answer these qu- rhetorical questions with responses like trying to explain it like I don't know. my question is we're talking geography why is west virginia in the big 12 right right geographically it makes zero sense and that was what the entire context of that conversation was about i understand why they went to the big 12 i get why it's just dumb i know exactly why usc and ucla went to the big 10 but my question would be why is ucla and usc in the big 10 it's dumb it makes no sense and that's the point. We understand why they did it. I just don't think they should have did should have done it. Um, so that's another one. And like, here's one from We Are Happily Independent. Why is Colorado in the Pac-12? That's another one. Like, we all understand why California, yes. Colorado as a state, identifies now more with California than it does Texas and the Midwest and all those other things. And they felt they could get some advantages of being the Pac-12. And at the time, the Pac-12 was doing very well but it makes no sense. I mean that all your rivalries are in the Big 12, you know, and it, I think it's kill I think it killed them. I think going to the Big 12 killed Colorado. Yep. It's not the only thing, but it's one of many things. Um, but at least that makes some geographic sense. Like Colorado and Utah in the Pac-12 make some ge- geographic sense. Yeah. Right? It's tech it's not the Pacific, right? But it's I mean it's kind of it's in no, no man's dif- land a little bit. Brian, there's no difference <laughs> going from Denver to San- to San Francisco by Sanford than going from Denver to Houston when, you know, or from Denver to Fort Worth or from Denver to you know Lubbock, Texas, or something like that. There's no difference there geographically. So like that one makes sense geographically. It didn't make sense as far as the brand of football, where they had most of their success recruiting-wise, and because a kid from Texas is going to go up to Denver and be able to relate with everything around Denver. Right, right. Kid from California may like the city, but he's going to get up in Boulder and be like, uh, "What's that smell? I don't understand why it smells like poop around here all the time." Well, that's you know, it's because there's a bunch of farms and it's manure in the wind. That's something I learned when I moved out to Denver. It's like, huh, times of the year, it's a little bit um, hmm. stanky, it's pungent, <laughs> pungent. <laughs> you know, because it's completely surrounded by farms. You know, it's a very weird. Like it's just like there's if you were to fly over Denver it's like nothing, and then Denver,
0: <laughs> it's just like
2: it's really wild, man. It is really wild, but it just I hate that they're in the Pac-12. I there's rumblings they want to go back to the Big 12. That would be really, really great. That'd be great. I'd love to see that. But the problem is a lot of the rivals are now gone. Nebraska's yes. gone. Texas is gone. And you know, and just it stinks. I really I really hate what I really hate what we're seeing happen. And it's all about money, and it. Makes me sad and angry all at the same time. Yeah. Oh boy. Here's one from Quinn Kibler.
1: Quinn says, "How real is negative recruiting? Is there any players in recent memory as a direct result?
2: It's definitely a real thing, Quinn. It's oh, definitely sure. Definitely yeah. a real thing. I mean, I, if I sat and thought about it, Quinn. I mean, I, I could think about it. I could come up with some guys. I mean, I mean, Keon Keely was to a degree. I mean, part of that was." Alabama saw themselves but also negative recruiting against Notre name. I mean that that had an impact. There was a lot been, of negative recruiting. They've been
1: at a defensive end drafted in the first round since 1997 yeah. well, just whatever, some right. other some yeah.
2: other things that were said sure. during the process. Oklahoma sure. did a lot of really negative recruiting with Peyton Bowen. Yes. I don't know if that impacted his decision, but I don't think it helped, you know, um so I mean those are probably the most recent that I would say, but there's been a lot. But yeah, teams negatively recruiting against Notre Dame a lot. Yes, a they lot. do.
1: Next question is from Jimmy Smith, former Jacksonville Jaguar great wide receiver, <laughs> Jimmy Smith. How good would Sean Crawford have been if he never was injured three-plus times?
2: Boy, i tell you what, Ryan. He was not a bad football player after the injuries. Solid player, yeah. He'd have been a really good football player. If you go back and watch – the Texas game where he was pretty good that game. And that was after his first knee injury. So Sean was fast. He was explosive. He played bigger than his size, Ryan and his, and one thing he always, he never lost. He was a playmaker. Yeah. Like Sean was a legitimate, he was instinctive. He knew how to make plays. I was watching the Michigan state Notre Dame game from 2017. The other night, you know how it is, Ryan, I can't sleep. So I watch old games. (laughs) And, and I wanted to watch the 17 offensive line. And that play he made, it was 21 to – it was 14 to 7. Michigan State's – no, it was 21 to 7. Michigan State's getting ready to score, make it 21-14 late in the third second quarter. Le'Veon no, – and it wasn't Le'Veon Bell. It was LJ Scott is like that far from the end zone, and Sean punches it out, then beats LJ Scott. LJ kind of tries to fall and it doesn't get it, and then Sean hustles and picks it up. That would have made it 21 14. Instead, Notre Dame gets the ball in the end zone, goes right down the field, scores a touchdown, game over at halftime. Like, and Sean had a lot of plays like that in his career where it's just like, man, that guy's instinctive. Yeah. So I think he would have been a I think he would have been a better ver- you know what i I'll, I'll say it right now. If he doesn't get hurt, he's a better version of Julian Love, in my opinion. Because he was so much more fat he was so much faster than Julian was I mean I think Sean ran I could be incorrect or something I think. yeah I didn't he go didn't he work out at the pro day yeah and I think like four, he four, ran six in the, or something yeah I think he ran let me let me see if I can find his testing numbers because I think he ran like in the four fours yeah at the pro day that year. Let's see, Sean Crawford. Uh, let me find him here real quick. Sean Crawford ran a four four seven, had a thirty five inch vertical, ran a four oh seven shuttle and a six seven flat three cone. Ryan, that was after two ACLs and a torn Achilles. Yep, that's nuts. That's great times for a dude with zero injuries, yeah. zero injuries for a guy that had his so. If that gives you any – I mean, that blows what Julian Love did at the Pro Day out of the water. I mean, it's not even close, how Julian Love's production in the Pro Day. I think I think Sean
1: Crawford is a starting nickel in the NFL
2: right now, if not for the injuries. I could injuries. see that. I, I think it would be. I could be. see that. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. He was, he was probably the biggest, if not for the injuries, guy that in recent history for Notre Dame, more than anybody else. I mean, he was – he could have been really good. <laughs> Terry exactly. and Folston's
1: in that conversation for me
2: too. Yeah. Falston would have yeah. been really good, I think. <laughs> that that 15 season. Yeah, behind that line, yeah, he'd have been pretty
1: yeah. good. Yeah. Oh I man, think. his his freshman year when he was I, I think it was just against Navy or something, but I remember some of the jump cuts that Fulston was throwing mm-hmm. out there. I'm just
2: like, geez, man, like what is I, happening right now? <laughs> you know, he he doesn't get the love and respect from Notre Dame fans that I think he should. Yeah. But he, if, if, if loose loose Samoji actually is the one that gave me this statistic when I was I was working with him at the time. But I think Toyn Fultz was like third or fourth in Notre Dame history for most rushing yards by Notre Dame back after like two years. Probably. It was like Autry, Denson, v- Vegas, Ferguson, and like maybe one other guy. And, uh, you know, to your point, fit, I mean, his first two carries, just go watch his first two carries against Texas in that game. Oh, he had a it was like, oh, man. Game. Yeah. yeah Torian's about to go off. And then his second carry, he tears his ACL. Yep. After It was like at the end of the run. It was at the end of the run, so it just um, – it was it was a bummer. It was definitely a bummer that his career went the way that it did. His first run was like 40-something yards, I think, right? Like on the very first carry. It was – yeah. I mean, yep. I like Folson a lot. Yeah. Good question. Very, very good question. Let's get back up here. Uh, Nathan Milton's got another one.
1: Nathan says, besides quarterback, what are the most intellectually difficult positions on
2: offense and defense? On offense, I'd say center it would be the next one for it's me. If we're going to go set, individual set positions, and yeah,
1: everything. yeah. Mm-hmm. Defensively, okay. I think it's linebacker, middle linebacker, yep. inside
2: linebackers positions. Yeah. You know, Mike and Will both have a lot, and then I would say in today's game, safety is a is become a very safety used to be a thumper position, right? Like you know, you played yep. cover two or cover four, or cover, and but now it's like you if you're not smart because you're. You're doing a lot of stuff for the secondary that the Mike linebacker is doing for the box now. Yep, It's almost kind of like you have to install two different defenses. You've got one for the box and one for the secondary, and then your sec- your safeties have got to see stuff, and then your safeties have got to make checks that impact the linebackers and everybody else. So I would say those would, those would be – and you notice where a lot of those positions are, Ryan? Right up the middle on both sides yes. of the ball on well, safety sees every
1: every position on the field so i mean they have literally like mm-hmm. every wheel turn as far as like what's this guy doing what's that guy doing where is yep. this guy going so yeah yep. i think that safety middle linebacker and then center are all the answers in my opinion yep even though you do see some left tackles sometimes where like they are trusted to be the guy that yep. sets protections but that is pretty rare
2: Look, anywhere that you have an a really intellectual player is a good thing. Running yes. back, receiver, tight end, D-line, corner, anywhere there's not a bad position to have a smart guy. It's just the reality is there are some positions where you don't have to be. Yeah. You don't have to be really a smart football player to be a good running back. You don't have to be a really smart football player in my opinion to be a guard. You can't be an idiot. You've got it. You know, any offensive line position is going to require a level of intelligence. You, you know, usually the offensive but,
1: linemen are some of the smartest dudes on the team. Yeah, as well, but, usually. <laughs> but you don't necessarily
2: need it in college, right. more so in the NFL. But if, if you're in college and you're 315 pounds and you just kill people like you don't have to be like, Ryan, we've seen it. We've seen some guys come out of the SEC in recent years. You're like that guy. And they're just huge busting. You're like, why? You're like that guy, guy is, does not know how to play football. Like, but, but I just yep. watched that guy dominate constantly. Yeah, because he's just bigger and more athletic than everybody else. Yep. There's still some of that in college. NFL, it's a different story. You cannot play any offensive line position in the NFL if you're not smart. Would you agree with that? Okay. Like not yep. any of okay. them. Yep. And I would argue in the NFL too, cornerback is in a position that requires a lot of intelligence in the NFL, much more so than it does in college. It's so much combo opinion. coverages and yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's just it's still a very different game in that regard. Yeah, In my opinion, well, in
1: cor- and corners are playing so much match coverage now, too. Where it's like, if you guess wrong in match,
2: like you are letting someone loose. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's just
1: there's a lot of trust in you, no doubt.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Good question. Yeah. I'm gonna uh read this one, Ryan. It's kind of a recruiting question. Okay, uh, ends up commits or misses. So, we'll answer that. So, we'll just kind of go through it. So, Kingston, Viliyama, Asa.
1: I'm uh, so back and forth on this one. I say he commits to Notre Dame. Agree.
2: Justin Scott. Miss. Kayla Beasley. Commits. Uh, Carter.
1: Carter Nelson, maybe. Okay, Carter Nelson. I say miss. Okay. Lambert. Ah uh, man, push. I don't know what to. I don't know okay. what to think about Kirby Lambert. I'm going to go
2: commit there, but I don't feel necessarily great about it. Yep. Um, Robinson and that uh, I assume that's Anthony Robinson or Jason Robinson. Yeah. I think the answer is the same for both of them. Yeah. Probably miss, but for different I, reasons for both. <laughs> and we're using the word miss, but for some of these guys, it's like, well, yeah, they're, but they're not. Yeah. The Robinsons, I don't think are necessarily guys that they're miss. They're going to miss on because they can't get them. Right. In my opinion.
1: Well, that, that's what I was going to say about Jason. It's like, if, if, if the other name wanted Jason for sure to be in the class, I think that, that would be a yeah. hit, but I just don't know if that's the case at the moment.
2: Dewan Lane. Miss. I'm going just commit on yet. that one. Don't see it yet. And then Elijah Rushing. I'm going so so the one we disagree on so far is uh Dewan Lane. I don't count Gearby Lambert as a miss or a, even though I'm going commit because you're just saying, hey, look, I just don't know enough about him. Yeah, so it's I, just I, I, it's we're just fine there. there. Yeah. Dewan Lane, I'm gonna predict commit on that one. Elijah Rushing. Yeah miss but i think that one could change for me we shall okay. see uh there's a couple that you should have on there to me you should have logan thomas on there he's a top 100 yep. caliber player and, and that that's going to be, a, be a guy that i think that they'll get yeah so i i, I feel like jordan based on this previous question kind of picked the guys that he thinks are least likely and then asked us about them <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least the toughest ones I think so. <laughs> and then asked us about them but logan thomas should be on there in my opinion yeah, but that is a good question.
1: I, I know I know the chat, Brian, before we move on, is asking, like, can we expand on the Justin Scott stuff? I mean, b- basically, I put it in my mailbag this week. So if you're a boards at mm-hmm. Irish I talked about it a little bit. The further this goes without there being clarity on visits to Notre Dame, the worse it gets for Notre Dame, It's just my opinion. That's kind of where we are.
2: Of yeah, how we read it. it. Now, look, and yeah. we keep being here's the thing. We keep being told by all of our sources that Notre Dame's in a great position. Yeah. It's just I have a hard time I, – I get what people are saying to me, and it, and, and everything I'm being told makes sense. Yeah. I just – I have a hard time embracing that, to be completely honest with you, Ryan.
1: I, I also think that this is a part of it to me, for me, is that we can't discount the fact that Justin Scott was about to commit to Notre Dame a couple months ago, right, Brian? And right. anytime that is a fact and you start getting further and further away from that, that tr- that's troubling to me. That's very troubling yep. in my opinion.
2: Yep. all right let's get to uh some more here ryan we got that one from rob osgood ah, okay here here's an interesting one ryan food question. Says, i'm, a, I'm gonna read this one because i want because okay. mine's boring and easy so okay. i want to ask you because i have a feeling you might actually be a little bit more interesting than mine but rob's question is food question what are the best pizza toppings I'm pretty traditional. I I mean, I I like a
1: good pepperoni pizza at times. I'll tell you what, I love a sausage pizza, though. Sausage is my jam. But I I mean, I'm pretty traditional. I put a little basil on there. I'm I'm not like a meatloaf. Like, I don't need like a million different things on there. I'm just, you know, one one topping at a
2: time is where I am. I assumed correctly. You're actually even more boring with pizza than I am. Really? Uh, yeah, which is surprising because usually you like a lot more things than I do. I'm pepperoni. So on a on a Pepperoni's normal good? pizza, a midwestern okay. pizza, a chain restaurant pizza, I'm pepperoni and mushroom and extra cheese is what I get on it. Not a
1: not a mushroom guy. Not a mushroom yeah. guy.
2: Love like the Texture. Yeah. Um, my wife's allergic, so she hates mushrooms. But uh, now, if I get a New York pie, Ryan, I'm just cheese. Yeah. The reason I do just cheese is I I like pepperoni, but like pepperoni on a New York pie to me starts to get it a really greasy. That's my only, my only beef with pepperoni on a, on a, on a New York uh, slice of pizza. But uh, yeah, New York pies, I'm pure cheese, man. But if I'm getting a more traditional pizza, I'm pepperoni and mushroom for me. So my wife will do, my wife does pineapple, Canadian bacon and, or ham, depending on what they have and banana peppers on pizza. I think that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And she, not she, a she, pepper guy either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I can't I can't do it. I love that woman to death, but no. In pizza, we're not sharing pizzas. A because one of my favorites uh topping would make her have to go to the hospital, you know. And then her toppings are just gross. So we we don't Fair. we only split New York pies. That's the only the only pizza we can split is is, and... is those. I will say sausage
1: pizza. It's got to be crumbled sausage. It can't be the sliced sausage. That's yes. weird. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do that.
2: I will eat a slaw sausage pizza that's crumbled if it's my only option. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I cannot eat a piece of pizza with the this cubed sausage on it. It's just – Yeah, it's terrible. No, thank you. Yeah. It's not even that it, it. it
1: tastes much different. It's just the texture that I just yeah. don't like. like. I like a little texture on my pizza yeah. at times.
2: Well, I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean, you're 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 taking uh, texture matters when you're biting into something for me. It really yes. does. It does. Like I don't you like slimy what, things to be honest well, with you. One time I
1: did have a pizza that I didn't think I was going to like, but it actually turned out pretty good. Was um my a guy I used to coach with when we used to do like the Monday night film breakdowns every week or whatever for the next week. He ordered a white pizza with sausage and diced tomatoes on top. And it was actually okay. really good. I was surprised. I didn't think I would like that, but it was pretty good.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Very yeah. interesting. All right. Let's get down to, um, here's one from, I, I, I just want to say this one. I'm sorry, okay. Ryan. You can read the question, but I got to say the name. This one's from Crying Belly. I <laughs> <laughs> saw that. saw that earlier. Crying Belly
1: says, Would Spring 2023 Tyler Buckner beaten out Jack Cohn for the starting
2: job in Spring 2021 interesting question probably not i I, you know well let me let me let me think that one through my my gut reaction is probably not because i think jack still brought a lot of leadership and intangibles and passing ability to the table that team needed to be able to throw the football to win they couldn't run the football because that offensive line sucked at the same time you could also then argue because the offensive line sucked you needed the more mobile quarterback to generate yep. run game. So that one is a tough one, Ryan. Like if, if, if I felt that the offensive line was going to be solid, I'd go with Jack Cohn. If you're going to tell me the offensive line is going to be what it was that year, I'm going with Tyler Buckner, in my opinion.
1: that's uh, what I'm I mean, I, I still, I still think the, the the thing that Tyler would still lack in this scenario, crying belly <laughs> is that Jack Cohn was experienced you knew what he was. He had a little bit more of a resume, right? Like Tyler, you still doesn't have a resume. He's just all upside. And and everybody knows that I like his upside still, but it's just, I think that a coach would probably defer to the
2: experience, a guy that he knows for sure is a proven commodity. Like that's just kind of my opinion. Now here's the, here's the question though, Ryan, here, here's here. I'm going to flip this one on you a little bit. Yep. If Tyler Buckner is going into his third year as a quarterback at Notre Dame, do yeah. they go get Jack Cone? Probably not. Probably not. That's that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Because I I, I I everybody knows I'm love Jack Cone. Everybody knows that I'm a big Jack Cone guy. Having said that, I don't know. I don't know that he's on the Sam Hartman level of you can't not go get him. Agree. Okay. If Tyler Bunker's going into year three with the injury history, that makes sense. It does. Because Jack was a one-year starter at Wisconsin, was coming off of an injury himself. He was. I mean, so I don't know if it would have made sense, as much sense in the current dynamic at quarterback as it would have been with then. And then you get into the situation, if the circumstances are the same, you know, you'd have, you'd still have Drew Pine. You know, you... Would be a would be an interesting quarterback
1: battle yeah. if nothing else. It, so it would. would be very
2: interesting because they
1: are it completely would. opposite football players. Oh, yeah. Completely opposite.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely.